Hey guys, I'm Jacqueline Smith, and this is I Was Told Jack, the podcast. Let's face it, womanhood, relationships, motherhood, health, it's all messy, confusing, and no one gave us the full disclaimer for any of it. I'm a mom of twin boys, and I don't know what I'm doing, but like you, I'm figuring it out every day, unpacking all of these impossible standards and misconceptions with you. So, thanks for being here. Hey, tribe. I hope you guys are having a great week. I hope that you're enjoying the content that I've put out with a podcast every single day this week. Let me know what I can do better, what you're enjoying, what you want more of. This is the best experience if I have a lot of interaction from you guys. So let me know what you're liking. In today's episode, we're going to talk about something that I've had on my mind a lot lately with all of the changes that have been going on with my life, and it's a concept called radical honesty. Now, before you roll your eyes and shut this episode off, please hear me out. Yes, this is going to be a slightly more woo-woo episode than what you're used to from me, but I really think that this concept can change your life, okay? So buckle up for just a little bit. What is radical honesty? It's when you cut through any and all noise from the outside world and the nasty little voices in your head and get in touch with your truth. When we're talking about our experiences in the world, I believe that there's no such thing as the quote unquote truth. And I know that that sounds backwards and that might kind of hit a trigger for you, but that there is one truth and it's right there for the finding just doesn't make sense to me. Because in fact, two people can go through the same experience at the same time and have vastly different interpretations of it. And neither one of those is wrong. For example, um, have you ever been on a date and you felt like the date was dull, the conversation was forced, and there was just simply no spark? But the person that you went on the date with follows up with you and felt like the date went just fine for a first date that the conversation only had a few lulls and they'd really like to see you again. You both went on the same date and both of you have truths about the evening and neither one of you are wrong. The distinction that I think we get caught up on is truth is different from facts. And we usually think of truth in regards to things like crime, right? You find the truth and you punish accordingly. It makes perfect sense. Our entire society is based on this concept. But crime and punishment is a combination of facts and truth, in my humble opinion. Example, fact, Danny breaks into a liquor store at 11.40 p.m. Fact, Danny steals all the money out of the cash register and leaves. It's all on security camera. Danny's truth is that his wife left him over money troubles. He was drunk as a skunk at the time of the incident, and he felt like he had no other options but to commit the theft. And he's very sorry, and he's ashamed, and all of the things. Now, see how these are two different sets of information, and one can color the other. That's where our entire legal system comes from. (laughs) And all this kind of depends on your personal beliefs or in the sense of our legal system depends on the boundaries and laws and such that we have in place as a society. So getting back to your truth, betraying your truth is sometimes an easier thing to talk about is a better place to start 
than trying to dig into what your truths are. So betraying your truth is when you tell yourself things like, your job isn't that bad, but in reality, you hate where you work. Your job has morphed into something that you can't stand over the years, and you're terrified to leave without another steady paycheck ready to go. Again, another betrayal of your truth is that you tell yourself your relationship just isn't working out when in reality, you're finally with a partner who sees your possibilities, not just what you can do for them. So they challenge you to grow and you're afraid that you can't and will ultimately disappoint them, right? Or something like you tell yourself that you don't mind that Susie from Stroller Strides is a judgy D, but in reality, you like feeling like you belong in a group. So you deal with the lectures on why secondhand baby stuff is dirty from a woman who has an opinion on everything and apparently only shops at Lululemon. No offense to Lululemon. I wish I was in Lululemon. <laughs> okay, at this point, you're like, enough with the examples. I get it. Why are you harping on this so hard? Well, in case you're new here, all of my content is designed to support you. I talk to you, so to speak, like you're my sister or my best friend. And I believe that radical honesty with oneself is the foundation to reaching all true happiness. If you're like me, throughout the course of your life, you've tried to be quote unquote happy, like it's the pot of gold at the end of some rainbow. You just have to cross some finish line and you'll be there and you can relax. I listen to Dave Ramsey podcasts, pre-order all of Rachel Hollis's books on Audible, Mel Robbins, shoot Tony Robbins, etc. And I've watched every single uplifting Netflix documentary special that they have ever made. Side note, the Brene Brown one that was just out is stellar. I hope it's still there. Go check that out if it is. But anyway, the work that those individuals do, they either ask you your life's big questions where they assume that you're already fairly clear on what you want, who you are, and where your obstacles lie. They're just trying to help you get there. They assume that you just don't know the path. But what if you're used to being a, I'm fine, it's fine, it'll all work out, it's not that bad person. Someone who convinces yourself that every situation in your life is tolerable. And your lack of wanting to get out of bed in the morning must be clinical. Or you convince yourself that things keep happening to you on and on. Any kind of deflection of the truth. If you're completely unpracticed at getting very real with yourself in an almost clinical third party kind of way, the answers that you invent to these educational and personal growth program questions will not matter. You will never get there. And even if you trick yourself into taking steps in whatever direction, let's say you convince yourself you want to be an entrepreneur. In reality, that's somebody else's dream, but it sounds good to you. And you take steps in that direction. You're never going to get there. You'll make sure you sabotage it or you'll just fall off the bandwagon, or you'll do other things that support this negative attitude that you have, or this deflective attitude that you have, because that's not your truth. You already started down the wrong path. I don't want you to beat yourself up about that, but I really want to dig into how we can avoid that from happening again and again and again and again and again and again. 
Okay. So asking yourself hard questions, the big questions these gurus ask you to confront yourself with, trying to pursue happiness will never be fruitful if you're unpracticed with being completely radically honest with yourself. Now, I'm not judging you or talking down to you on any of this. To put myself out there a little bit, the reason I'm so passionate about this is because in a former life, I mean, I'm still working on it, but I am the queen of lying to myself. A little backstory. With men, I'd stay in dysfunctional, if not downright abusive relationships in my early 20s and convince myself over and over that it was going to work just to validate to myself and only myself, trust me, I wasn't fooling anyone, that the pattern I was insisting on repeating was the right thing to do. In fact, the longer that I lied to myself about these relationships, the more determined I was that they were going to work out and that I was going to be right because I had that much more to prove. All while deep down, I had the intuition enough to begin to feel some shame and embarrassment and frustration with these situations. Even the sound of me talking about these situations with my friends that stuck through me or stuck with me through these awful relationships and those tiny pieces of my truth, those feelings that bubbled up that were trying to surface were just telling me that I was miserable with these putzes of men. If I'd only listened, right? Um, when it came to jobs, right, I took dead-end temp jobs with zero satisfaction. I never stood up for my work when it was questioned and convinced myself that my coworkers or boss or whomever were right because then I could avoid confrontation or even failure. Both of these things terrified me, so I avoided them like the plague. And as a result, for many years, I bounced from job to job, feeling great about them at first, feeling like I could be totally satisfied with just doing a good job at whatever job I was doing, but ultimately leaving out of frustration that slipped into my overall happiness as a person. My truth was I was avoiding finding a passion because I felt lost. I did a huge pivot after college when I decided to give up doing music, which I had spent the previous decade pursuing. And I am very much someone who needs to love what she's doing and trying to force myself to be happy with whatever work I could get was the best I felt I could do at the time. I mean, I lived in eight different cities since graduating from college, right? Instead of facing my truth, I literally ran away and started over every single time. So again, I am not judging you at all. This is where I have lived for a very long time. And I've already lost sleep judging myself. I'm all set. I'm not interested in judging you. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Be abundantly clear. So what happens with all of this is we tend to live moment to moment, especially when we're stressed or at a loss. Now you've heard a lot of people, a lot of self-empowerment experts and a lot of gurus advocating for living in the moment. And, and that's a good thing, but we tend to do it backwards. The intent when you talk about living in the moment is you're supposed to soak up your life. You're supposed to absorb the moments with the people that you love, not anxiously think about your to-do list and miss what's happening or mulling over the past and again, missing what's happening right in front of you. That makes sense, right? Sounds good. 
But we end up using this concept the same way that people recovering from severe trauma use it. You end up living in triage, handling obstacles with what feels good or okay or like what you can handle in the moment. But friends, think about that. You don't want to be a wife, a partner, a girlfriend from that place of reaction and survival. You don't want to do your job from that place and you absolutely really really do not want to parent from that place living moment to moment in that triage sense allows us to take the path of least resistance perpetually do as little as feels right to you in the moment and if you have half as much on your plate as i do you're never gonna feel like quote unquote or be magically drawn to the right decision long-term in the heat of the moment. This is kind of my number one problem with intuitive eating, which in theory sounds like a wonderful idea and is something that I think we can all work to eventually. But until that, while you're metabolically broken and have figured out how to apply better stress-diffusing techniques, if you use intuitive eating, you'll just cave on your health in every opportunity that you get even if you experience the smallest amount of stress because you just don't have the foundation to support doing what feels right moment to moment. Moment to moment living makes it too easy to lie to yourself and will push all of your goals and even your life's happiness back. And the best defense that I've found against the impulsiveness of moment to moment is thinking of life at 30,000 feet living. You're going to hear me say that phrase a lot. You've already heard me say it a lot. It's going to get annoying, but just bear with me, okay? (laughs) Radical honesty allows for you to not only really get in touch with what makes you happy and allows you to get in touch with the direction your passion is in, which passion is going to be a whole other episode. We'll get there. But it also allows you to build yourself into someone that you're really proud of regardless of outside influence and enables you to make long-term decisions, which will always lead to success. So now that hopefully I have sold you on the concept, how was I able to make a change? Slowly is the answer. Incredibly snail-like slowly, like over the past decade, slowly. And if I can, I don't want you to waste that kind of time like I did. Things that really kind of launched me into this, the final couple of steps were things like becoming a mom, which just changed everything. And I know that that's a catchphrase a lot of women who are moms like to use. And if you're not a mom, you might be rolling your eyes again at me. But man, just the hormones of it alone, let alone the responsibility and the panic and (laughs) the emotional roller coaster of it, everything changed for me. And I had to think about my kids a lot and my genuine desire to not let them down meant that I couldn't waste my time or energy lying to myself about them or myself. Another thing that really pushed me into this was the struggle of my separation. It did force me to be honest about still loving someone but having to be really clear with myself about the fact that it wasn't working and that's a whole other level of radical like everything but that I think was kind of the final brick in the foundation of me being able to kind of take this sterile 30,000 foot look at 
my life and different aspects of my life and really figure out what my truth was. Okay, so now I've talked about myself. (laughs) Sorry, guys. Name of the show. Let's get down to practical application for you. I've theorized enough. So how can you tell if you're being radically honest with yourself? And I know it still sounds really woo-woo. Hopefully you're still listening. So far, I figured out two strategies that work for different personalities. First things first, when you hit the truth, you'll feel it regardless of how you get there, right? Now, to be clear, feeling it doesn't mean spiraling into a depression. The truth is not crapping on yourself and hitting rock bottom. Your truth is not reaching conclusions like, I'm an awful mom. I'll never amount to anything. I've wasted my life. None of those, none of those are truths. It's bullying yourself and it's way too simple. Hitting an emotional rock bottom, again, is nowhere near your truth. I promise the truth will be longer, (laughs) more words and more complete, right? Instead of I'm an awful mother, the truth is probably more in the ballpark of I'm feeling a lot of guilt about my abilities as a mother because I keep comparing myself to others and I'm stressed about my child's success and happiness, right? That's more of a complete human thought. Another example is instead of I'll never amount to anything, the truth probably sounds more like I have been coasting in a lot of areas of my life out of fear. I do wish I was further along and I need to figure out how to light a fire under myself to get where I want to go. Makes sense again, right? And the last one, I wasted my life is not a whole truth. Something that's probably, again, a little bit closer is I've taken a pretty atypical path in life so far. Am I chasing someone else's happiness or is there something about living an atypical life that I love even though I get insecure about the opinions of others about my life, right? See how some of those truths still have questions in them because you're not going to get there right away. And you can also see how much more nuanced and complicated those phrases were than the three to nine word sentences we started out with, which is what the bully in your brain is going to pull out when you first try and do this exercise. Okay. You need to see that the whole truth isn't cruel. It's inquisitive. It is always inquisitive, unbiased, and unjudgmental. All right. So how do we get there? First of all, regardless of which method you use to get there, you're going to want to find a quiet spot and give yourself a nice little chunk of time. My suggestion, especially while you're getting into this, would be at least 15 minutes. More is great, but sometimes even finding 15 minutes is like trying to draw blood from a stone, right? This is going to require you to be alone with yourself, and that can be terrifying. Complete honesty here, no pun intended. It might scare you. So no phone, no TV, no music while you do this. Please don't panic. (laughs) If the thought of that much silence makes you anxious, that's okay. That's a truth in and of itself. Just shoot for 10 minutes. You can set a timer so that you know that you have a way out and you won't be stuck going down the rabbit hole of your thoughts indefinitely, okay? If it gets a little too intense, we're going to have an escape strategy. But for right now, you're going to want to try and stick to that amount of time that you set for yourself. When crap hits the fan, 
I am also terrified to be alone with my thoughts and I'll pretty much do anything to avoid the black hole of self-reflection. So again, I'm not judging. I'm not judging at all. I just want to encourage you to try and get to a different place. Remember that this isn't designed to be idle time where you rehash that embarrassing PE incident from the seventh grade or imagine a new ending to the Avengers Endgame movie. (laughs) Your brain will wander. That's what it does. But try and gently lead it back. This isn't a meditation, so the rules are different and the goals are different here. This quiet time has a goal and a purpose already designated, so don't be afraid of that wild bride your brain will take you on. Okay, it's going to be fine. If you find your mind wandering, again, try and lead it back. Take a few deep breaths. Breathe in while counting to seven. Hold it for four and release your breath slowly for a count of eight. Again, breathe in to a count of seven. Hold for four and release through your mouth for a count of eight. That'll help center you a little bit. Do that probably about three times. Nice and slow. You're in no rush. And then start from the beginning. Pick one thing you want to get to the bottom to, right? Maybe your relationship, maybe your job, maybe your living situation, but something like, why am I unhappy? was a little too big (laughs) of a thing to tackle in one of these sessions, especially since you're brand new, right? What's my passion is also a little too ambitious in the beginning here. I I mean, I'm not sure that's ever going to be a good question to ask yourself in a truth discovery kind of quiet time. It's just so vast. There's too many things to pick apart there. What you can start with is even something as small as, (laughs) you're going to laugh, but what color do I really want to paint my office? I know that sounds ridiculous, but I just want you to get comfortable, used to, and efficient with processing and whittling away at your thoughts and opinions until you reach the truth. For me, it's annoying to not know how you feel about anything in the moment or to just blurt out the answer that you know the other person is wanting or expecting just so you can have an answer. I did this all the time as a child. It would take me ages to figure out how I actually felt about something because I was always ready with the quote-unquote right answer. So practicing really digging into how you feel with whatever it is, the color of the damn couch, will help you get there quicker and feel more confident about your responses. All right, so strategy number one, look at it like this. One question, if you could do anything and you were guaranteed that no one would ever find out about it, pass judgment on you for it, would you do it? So an example of this is if you knew that you could apply for a promotion, you get a yes or no answer with minimal but helpful feedback and your coworkers would never know you even applied, Your boss would never mention it to you again, and it would in no way affect your trying for a future promotion. Would you go for that promotion? Think about it for a sec. If your instinct is yes, then your follow-up questions to get into it a little bit more are going to be things like, okay, then am I worried my coworkers will think I'm arrogant for going for this promotion? Do I feel like I don't deserve a promotion? Why am I scared of the ramifications of progressing in this career? And on from there. At this point, it's a game of hot and cold. You keep asking questions until one of them 
invokes a physical response, then that's the right path that kind of steers you to head in that direction. And then ask more questions related to the one that got a visceral response out of you. For example, when you ask yourself the question, do I feel like I don't deserve a promotion? And let's say your stomach tightens or you feel tears coming or you feel a ping in your chest. That's a clue. It isn't going to knock you on your keister, right? It's not going to be this huge sensation, but you can still feel it. Your body remembers all of your fears basically because of survival. It's primal. Your experiences that created and shaped these fears that you have literally create an entirely different type of visceral memory in your brain, the primal part of your brain. And your body never forgets that feeling as a way to keep you safe. So other examples of this are like, um, ever start crying during a commercial or during what's supposed to be a not so serious talk or a lighthearted TV show. And you just don't know why with the exception of when you're pregnant, because I cry literally every day. So I don't count in this example, (laughs) but your body reacts to triggers that your brain doesn't even remember, right? Your brain doesn't even get there sometimes and your body remembers which is kind of cool if you think about it. So now that you've gotten the visceral ping, your next question after that might be, when did I start believing I didn't deserve the things I want? Odds are at this point, your brain will kind of understand where you're going with this and try and help you out by connecting the dots faster and faster. If a question doesn't do something for you, try wording it differently or coming at the situation from a different angle, right? So if that question I just asked didn't cause the waves inside of you to stir, right? Try something like, who told me I don't deserve the things that I want? Or when did I not get something big that I wanted? Remember that your questions are inquisitive and non-judgmental. You're simply a detective in this moment. That's it. Solving the mystery, a la Jessica Fletcher. Small side note, if you know who that is, we just became best friends, okay? (laughs) All right, getting back to the point. The parameters for this exercise is that this conversation will be utterly private. It's just with you. And it will also be consequence free. We're just doing this exercise to get to the truth so that we can mull that gem over for a little bit. We're not necessarily going to make a single change from this inquiry. We're just fact finding. We're not solving all the problems of your life in one session. That's too much. The less pressure actually that you put on yourself to find an answer and do something because of it, the smoother this will go and the more trust that you'll have with your subconscious and be able to really actually get there. Now, maybe you'll get lucky and hit the truth during the sit down, but either way, eventually you will be a pro at getting to your truth when you sit down and actually think about it. If you hit a wall during this time, get overwhelmed or start to get confused by your emotions or your physical signals, you're done for now. It's okay. Don't beat yourself up. Repeat the breathing exercise from the beginning that we did and envision yourself on your favorite body of water somewhere with your celeb crush of choice or your adult beverage of choice or unicorn. I don't even care. Just go to your happy place and kind of wait out the rest of the time that you designated for quiet. That's a really big thing. I also, at the same time as you're trying to figure out your truths, we need to be building trust within yourself. You need to trust yourself that you're going to do what you said you were going to do 
right? I know I'm kind of adding a lot for you to try and tackle at once, but even if you just daydream for the rest of the 10 minutes, you sat in silence for 10 minutes for the society that we live in today. That's kind of amazing. All right. You can pat yourself on the back for that. So what we're trying to accomplish here is perhaps very woo-woo for you, entirely new. So the fact that you're even getting started, that is the victory, right? Boldly walking into silence with yourself is a badass moment. And I guarantee that once you have some time to digest your thoughts, you'll feel like you gained some insight into whatever it is you were digging into, even if you didn't quote unquote make it very far with the exercise per se, it won't matter. You'll still have gotten a little piece of something with it. Now, don't do this exercise right before bed. At most, do it before you start your whole entire nighttime routine. I mean, I'd want you to have a nice buffer between doing this and trying to sleep. You're going to want a good night's sleep after doing something like this, right? Which leads me to strategy number two. So what I do is I imagine that my best friend or family member or someone that I love is telling me whatever situation is going on with me, but as though it's happening to them. They're telling me all the gory details of how so-and-so cheated or this and that isn't working or I'm not sure what to do about this. Can you help me? Now, within them telling me this, right, within them saying, imagine it's your baby niece, right? If we put it in your perspective, it's your baby niece and she's telling you that so-and-so cheated or so-and-so won't commit or so-and-so is not really being responsible with the money or blah, 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 blah. What feelings and emotions and instincts does that evoke in you, right? If she's telling you this, does it make you feel protective? Does it make you feel inclined to tell her that she's overreacting? Does it make you want to shake her and wake her up, right? That's how you should be treating yourself in this situation then, right? And if she started to say to you, well, yeah, but you don't understand, while you would see right through her, and you would still be blunt with her, you would not belittle her, you would not give her ultimatums or impossible goals to shoot for, you would simply love her and listen to her and help her figure it out. I literally just described how you should be treating yourself. (laughs) Okay, that's why this style works for me. It's because one of the qualities about myself that I value the most is how much I love my friends and family and how important it is to me to help however I can. I take a lot of pride in finding ways to lovingly be absolutely honest with the people around me. I want to make them feel supported and give them the best advice that I can. It's important to me to be a rock for the people I love. So this exercise plays to all of my strengths, my passions, and convictions about who I am in the world. Looking at my issues as though they're happening to someone I love immediately grants me third-person perspective to whatever it is. I want the best for the people that I love, and this perspective shift allows me to bypass my own excuses, biases, my attempts at validating my patterns, all of it, because I would never sit by and let someone that I love fool themselves, no matter how long I had to sit there or how creative I had to get to try and spell it out to them. So that's why this works for me. I hope I explained it clearly enough. But if that particular 
method doesn't resonate with you. It's not a big deal. It doesn't mean anything. I tried to come up with a couple of different ways to kind of hit the same bullseye. The first example that I gave is actually a lot harder for me and can get a lot scarier. It's intense. The one that I just described is like easy peasy for me. So if you try one and it does a couple of times, try it a couple of times. If that doesn't work, switch to the other one and see what happens. Or you can try both methods within a session. I mean, just play around with it. It's really not that serious. At the end of the day, you engaging in this, you sitting down in the silence and getting started with this, that's the victory, okay? There's just a level of authenticity that you'll be able to reach if you keep doing this, which leads me to the final piece of this puzzle. And that is to keep practicing this. Again, this is not like meditation. I don't want you to do a daily practice of this because it's just too intense. It's a little hard to swallow. I want you to reap the rewards of this. And you can do that by doing this maybe once a week. Just make sure you pencil in time to actually do it, right? So consistency is key, but it's not necessarily the frequency, if that makes sense, right? We have to make time to do this, but we should not be doing it every day. Just pace yourself. And you also don't want to dig into the recesses of your brain, right? And untangle every little thing (laughs) that you're wondering about in your life at night, right? So don't do this too close to going to bed again, just to really nail that home. You'll be up all night. You also need to give yourself time to process all these little bits that you're digging up, right? You don't want to line them up back to back. You want to give your brain and your body and your subconscious some time to kind of sift through the things that you've brought up and kind of gain confidence in them and gain comfort with these concepts, okay? So now that you have all these little nuggets leading you in the right direction, what do you do with them, right? You keep reminding yourself of them until you're ready to act, right? But with zero pressure. Say you figure out that you want to leave your job because you don't like the culture of the company, okay? That's fine. It happens all the time. When you whittle away in your next session that you do like the work that you're doing and you do want to pursue the advancement of your career in this field, perhaps with another company. Excellent. That's another huge gem. Fantastic. So what happens now? Do you need to research other companies? Do you know of any of your companies that you're currently at's competitors that are hiring? If you've broken it down into small enough step, you can handle that, right? You've already gone from, I can't sleep at night, but no, really, my job is fine. I don't know what the problem is, to My next step is to update my resume. And then the step after that is probably to do some Google. That's definite and super safe. And that's a huge step away from the vague uncertainty that we started with in all of this, right? You can sit at home with a glass of wine and chocolate and do that step, right? Update resumes all day. (laughs) But at the same time, you're training in the back of your mind to get comfortable and confident with nurturing these little truths that you've dug up and kind of making little steps in the right direction. Nothing overwhelming, just progress. And that's, that, that's just a really brief summary, summary excuse me, of 
what we do once we've found these truths. Like practical application is going to have to be an entire episode in and of itself because it's very specific, nuanced, and kind of individual to what truths we've dug up. But I don't just want to leave you with a bunch of little truth bombs in your brain without knowing where we're going to go with those. <laughs> so now that you have those, you kind of know what direction, what to head with in when you're ready, right? So that's it, loves. I want you to be able to tap into your desires, your confidence, your preferences, and your genuine feelings about anything and everything. When you take the time, energy, and money to invest in education and self-growth, I want you to be able to utilize it. I don't want you to get involved with programs that you feel like you constantly fall off the bandwagon of or you fail at, not because you're incapable, but because you fundamentally, we've missed the point of how to ask ourselves an honest question, right? I don't want you to waste the time that I wasted. I want you to do better, I promise. (laughs) I really, truly believe that this will change your life and that if you struggle with confidence, the skill set will literally be the best thing that ever happened to you. It's from someone who knows I'm raising my hand right now. You can't see me. This will be one of the best things that ever happened to you. It's not a perfect practice, but it gets better all the time. So that's our show, Tribe. I hope that that was helpful and applicable and that I didn't get too woo on you. We'll see healing our inner child with matcha and essential oils for another time, okay? (laughs) I'm just picking. I had to. If you wouldn't mind, like, comment, review, and share if this episode moved you to do so. And you can find me on all social media platforms at I Was Told Jack. And until next time, guys, love yourself, love your tribe and find your glow wherever you can. I love you for listening, and let me know if you have any questions. All right, bye-bye.